0: Welcome to the Future is Freelance podcast for solopreneurs, digital nomads, slowmads, consultants, remote workers, e-residents, and people living a life without traditional boundaries. We're here for everyone who defies categorization and makes a living and a life their own way. Every other Freelance Friday, we're serving up an audio cocktail of expert tips, inspired insights, and stories from the frontiers of freelancing to help you achieve success with your borderless business, whatever success means to you as you live life on your own terms. Thanks for listening to The Future is Freelance and for being part of the Future of Work revolution. to share today's interview with you because I spoke to Danish Sumro actually back in April it was and I've been trying to find the right moment to release this amongst everything else that's been going on but it's truly timeless conversation because Danish is one of the original digital nomads in the world and the advice he's got to offer his insight into the vision of how the future of work, freelancing and travel are all synergizing and coming together. You will find this inspiring in a completely evergreen way. Citizenship should not be where you're born. But where you are today is one of the key messages that I took away from this and the fact that we all have more in common as travellers and remote workers than where we were born or the piece of paper that gives us permission to travel around the world. Enjoy this conversation and I'd love to hear what you think about it.
1: I am, it's such a pleasure. I'm really excited to be with you. So, so my right now, I'm in Thailand. It's like a big hot spot for digital nomads mm-hmm. in Asia. You know, Bali, Indonesia, and Thailand. So right now, I'm here. My entrepreneurial journey started, I should say, back in 2015. I was in a, a tech worker in Toronto, typical, you know, like a nine to five thing. And then I, you know, quit the job, even though it was remote, but it was limiting where I could travel. So I quit it. I moved to Rio de Janeiro, and that's where I could say that my entrepreneurial journey started. I mean, if we go back, I'm an entrepreneurial since I was a baby. You know, I was selling, <laughs> but but if we for a recent in the recent memory, less like 2015, I I would say.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so you you're in Thailand now. Is that a permanent base for you, or do you consider yourself nomadic?
1: Oh well, I'm actually a full time nomad for last seven. So, yes, it's tiring, but the only problem, all the digital nomads would understand, if we stay longer, we get bored, we have an inch <laughs> to move again. And then if you're moving fast, we want to like, stay longer at one place, right? So I am here for a month, I'm going to Dubai in two weeks for food only. The script, I have nothing to do in Dubai, just because <laughs> of food, I'm <laughs> going, and then We'll end up in European summer.
0: Brilliant. Okay. So you, do you have anywhere that you consider your your home or are you truly a global citizen?
1: I think home is where your heart is a very cliche term. But to be honest, it's, it's also true because after living in so many countries, you know, like in uh, you, your home is a tiny village of Oaxaca and Mexico, you know, and other places because you have lived there, you hung out, you have friends, you're kind of emotionally connected. So, yes, the whole world feels yours. So, mm-hmm. But Toronto, let's say if you have to, for <laughs> the passport I'm carrying or where I have more work and social friends, so Toronto, that would be the city, I would say. Okay.
0: So that's interesting. But, yeah, truly a global citizen. And that was one of the reasons mm-hmm. I was really interested to talk to you because – I'm not a digital nomad. I would consider myself very much a slow mad, even though I'm a very long-term remote worker and not in the country I started off in. Um, but one of the reasons I was drawn to to your work was the way that you've built community online, and particularly in the Facebook community, digital nomads around the world. So I'd love to unpack a little bit more about the history of that. And I, this is a very selfish question, speaking as the organizer of the Remote Work Spain community, which is tiny minnow in the stream compared to digital nomads around the world. So please tell me why you started that, when, and how did it grow to be the huge success it is today? Yeah. So
1: so there are a few layers. I would say everybody who's listening, digital nomads around the world is the most positive, I should say, most uplifting, most supportive community of global digital nomads. And it's a very strict criteria, to be honest. Mm. Everybody's screened and accepted. So Please join that community and mention that you want to become a digital nomad within a year so mm-hmm. you can get accepted strictly. Um, so John from Spain, he actually started it and I became a co-founder later. And then I co-founded a project called Digital Nomad Nations. It was an idea to, to create a country on the internet because what digital demands believe or global citizens believe that citizenship should not be where you were born, but it should be who you are today. So I think uh, safety wing is also doing in that <clears throat> regard. Plumia is a similar concept, digital demand nation, and few other projects in a similar theme. So we started that and we did our best. We tried it and then you know, we renamed that project into Digital Demands Around the World Community. So now it has about 160,000 members. The uh, Meta is directly supporting us. I'm working with Meta right now, and they, they love the, you know, the engagement. They love our mission and what we are doing. So they're directly supporting us. We have certain brands support us. We have a mission mm-hmm. and vision. It's just a lot of fun to, you know, to, to be there. And I'm not the only, there are the team of moderators. There's like, it's not me. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't take that. I just post a lot because I love to hang out in general. With-
0: <laughs> yeah, I see you as as very much the face of that community because you're in there starting conversations and nurturing the debate in a really wholesome way. Um, and I love the, uh, the whole principle of a country on the internet. And it seems that you had that idea very early on before. Before the network state book, before Plumia, you, you were already thinking that these people have more in common than yes. that transcends the geography. And that's really powerful. Do you know what sort of membership you have now? Where, where is everybody, or does that even matter?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't. But uh, generally, there are some countries where, you know, like the majority of the digital mats either come from. Or they have a luxury because of their, you know, all the country's culture to give remote work. Like take Mm -hmm. my own example. I was a full-time remote worker in 2015. So so Canada and U.S., I would say North America generally were quite open from Mm -hmm. 2013. So naturally um, the whole Silicon Valley was in our community because there were no other spaces to discuss this specific lifestyle. So, North America, I would say, still leading today. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, COVID kind of enabled, to be honest, pretty much everyone. So now we have, I'm so excited to see people joining from actually Thailand, Thai natives, people from Singapore, Japan. These are Japanese locals who want to travel to South America and want to become a digital nomad. So now we kind of represent 100 countries, but it's still Europeans and North Americans leading the majority of the community members.
0: Yeah, I would say that that pretty much reflects what I can glean about the listenership to the show as well. Um, Probably just simply, as you said, adoption effects that. This is the countries where people listen to podcasts, the countries that had the advanced digital infrastructure, and it's only more recently. I think that's really exciting that you're starting to see that movement the other way, as it were. Traditionally, it was wealthy Western countries. People went to exploit the geo arbitrage of, I'll go and live in Asia for a bit and, and live really cheaply. And yeah. you're starting to see people from the global south unlock that same privilege so that's really exciting is that something that's really post-covid then
1: yeah so i mean there are multiple trends by the way people watching i'm also founder of visadv.io which is the Mm. biggest uh, uh, database for visas because i'm an immigrant myself i'm pakistani born canadian uh, like a naturalized canadian citizen so uh, And a tech worker, so tech, immigration, then digital nomad. So I am really interested in these mobility patterns, global mobility patterns, and I'm really excited that it's changing. Now Canadians and Americans applying visas in Thailand and in Philippines and Vietnam and long-term visas, they're looking for citizenship. It was already there in a smaller scale, but now Mm -hmm. it's getting bigger. And global migration patterns are changing, and I'm really excited because you would agree with me that world is a better place if there are more travelers. Oh, uh, because 100%. we have more historians, we have more like, you know, uh, harmony in the world, I feel.
0: Yes, absolutely. Like you, I'm a personal melting pot of um, Indian grandparent and British national living in Europe, Estonian resident, and these other things which blend together to keep life interesting. Wow. But my experience is that I've, I've never met anyone who's traveled extensively who is small minded, you know, people transcend issues of race and culture just by experiencing the ways that different yeah. people live. And I wish we could have some sort of national service where we sent people overseas just to go and see <laughs> another culture. And, you know, it should be compulsory I, I, before you study.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen people, you know, on my travel... The bite they take of this new food experience or new, they're they're watching the dance, uh, you know, like in Samba Dromo in in Rio de Janeiro. And they're they're like, if you look at their eyes, their face glowing and they're like in a moment of discovery and this new experience. This is so sexy and beautiful. And that person kind of changed at that moment. So I agree with you. The more experience they have, the more sexier they become, and our world also gets better.
0: Definitely, that's really exciting. And your startup at the moment then is looking at the whole visa issue. Obviously, that's something that's changed. Well, it's changing every every few months. It seems there's another digital nomad visa hitting the streets. Um, Spain is one of the most recent offerings, even if it's. Not quite sure whether it's correct to describe it as a digital nomad visa. There's some debate over that. But what are the, the big trends and issues that you're seeing there? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean if you notice, so just to let you know, Visa is funded by European Union and Government of Chile and government of Poland because we started way earlier mm. and they notice they notice it's the most boring thing. Who's this guy trying to solve this migration <laughs> problem? Right. So they they kind of supported this project and now you know you can hire immigration experts and look the it's a free, it's my service, my my lot of my work. It's a free database for everyone because I oh, want yeah. people to to live abroad. So, yes, so now I think a lot of countries are trying to tap into it. Technically, digital nomads are long-term tourists, let's say, in a a nutshell, right? Because before it was only 30 days or 90 days. Now, digital nomad visa creates a path to stay longer Mm -hmm. and also... Not become a tax resident or become a tax resident. They're both options are open depending on the country. So that gives um, uh, a, an individual to spend longer, can lease apartment longer, can experience the whole country. You know, like there are a lot of digital nomadic families. They they can move like mm-hmm. single nomad. So it's it's an ideal place. So a lot of countries are jumping on this bandwagon, I should say, and and rightly so as well. Because who doesn't mm. want long term tourists who are going to spend the money which they did not earn they, they are abroad, so that's
0: one hundred percent. And it's great to see countries that might not be rich in terms of GDP but have amazing natural resources like you know, the Caribbean or Hawaii or whatever able to entice people to come and spend their global income there. Um mm. Where do you think what will be the logical conclusion of all this? Though, will we ultimately? I'm wondering if we'll even kind of take away the power of the passport in the end, and we'll all have a lot more flexibility and choice about where we go. Or am I just kidding myself as a Brit stranded in Europe? Um. <laughs> I think is I I'm the
1: most like I am pushing. I do a lot of work uh, to advocate. Nomadism to advocate more travel, and even to be honest, I'm calling people out who are settling without plan, without any travel plans. I'm calling them out. Hey guys, come on! You know, when single mothers can travel around the world, you have no excuse. So this is all my work, all my passion. But there is another side to it that surprisingly, some of the not everybody is on that on the same page as you. Mm-hmm. and um, so um it's really hard to see countries are not that open yet and we also we digital the mass space we make fun of it we say hey uh, you know why you need a birth certificate i'm alive i'm st- i'm standing in front of you why <laughs> why, why you-? so there is some red tape i should say or you know these like governmental processes mm-hmm. which is ga- gonna limit what you and I are desiring or promoting or advocating. So this is the only worry I have. And it's getting a little bit, you know, weirder, you know, since post-COVID. So, but we will be doing our, our work, you and I and other influencers or people and promoting it and making it at least easy. If, if mm-hmm. the, the travel without passport is not possible, we can try our best to make it at least easier.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, because it's getting easier in some respects. And in other ways, people could say it's getting more restrictive, simply because of it's, it's harder to wing it, not to put too fine a point on it. We all know that before the existence of actual digital nomad visas, there were a lot of people doing things much more informally, and even managing to live without any tax residency, and just drifting from place to place on one long holiday. But Obviously, they yes. were working and so on. Yeah. Do you think that's made I it more think-
1: difficult, or yeah? So, I mean, for me, like, what my perspective comes from from my background as well, because we, I also create awareness around the people. Like, you know, there are thirty countries who can travel, or sixty countries who can travel anywhere without any problem. But I am also raising white that this high earning software developer in Chennai. Uh, he's making a lot of money, but the problem, he has a passport. He wants to travel. He has a will. He has resources. The only problem, the book he's holding is not letting him to, mm. to access what some of the other citizenship have. So similar to that, there are a lot of passports, which is still harder. So at one point, I agree with you that for certain citizenships, is easier. And I should put myself in it because holding a Canadian passport is kind of easier and, you know, there are working holiday visas available for younger nomads and mm. many options. But then half of the world who is totally qualified, totally have resources, we are still seeing a problem and is getting more on the, you know, limit side. Hopefully, digital nomad visas creating a path. Um, but with this um, birth certificate, is difficult, but it's still I am happy. For example, Colombia gives two-year digital nomad visa and... I've heard that a lot of people from India, from Sri Lanka, from other countries which traditionally are not non-nomadic countries, but they also have gotten it. So this is a big news and I hope that that trend continues.
0: That's a really important point actually because the sheer privilege that we have and you know, the British passport is still pretty privileged despite losing 27 countries. It's it it's one of those things that's like a hygiene factor you can take for granted if you've never had to have your right to go somewhere questioned or held up or disrupted. And yeah, these visas are definitely doing a very powerful job in unlocking these opportunities more globally. So let's talk about how people are funding it then and the work they're doing. This podcast is really aimed at freelancers, solopreneurs, individual independent operators. I'd love to know your thoughts about that scene and the the future of work for individuals. What sort of things are you observing in the communities that you're working with?
1: I think future is freelance. I think this is, I was, when I read you, like, <laughs> she like just put it like, the, what's the world is going to be like. And with recent development in chat GPT, that is going to further break up, you know, these uh, organized hierarch- hierarchical organization structures where you are performing or you're creating certain values sitting in a building altogether. Um, that will be breaking up and more power will be going to, You know, freelancers in Mm -hmm. digital nomad space. Freelancing is always even there are full time employees. They are kind of freelancers because of tax reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. so to give you an example, if I'm an American company, I would be hiring a contractor who can travel anywhere in the world, not an employee, because that creates a lot of risks for me as a U.S. company. So. Project based economy is the future. Already we are seeing that this individual, uh, these like, what should I say, personalized lifestyle or experience matter first. Change of life goals, you know, like buying a house, having two kids, that's not anymore the life goals. People still have somewhere down the line, but that's not the top two, three priorities. So lifestyle changes economies changes and this new technology is coming in and the new workforce of gen z if we combine all these factors to be honest there is nothing else but the future is freelance so yeah. you you're already on this trend and that's that's what i'm seeing it chat gpt is going to hurt freelance a little bit we can talk about it later but yeah that's, that these are the trends
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a whole big trend in itself. Um, But yeah, I would agree 100% that compliance is the big frontier at the moment. I've just got back from the Running Remote conference in Lisbon, which was amazing. And I need to record a podcast about that. I'm going to do a solo episode as soon as I can organize my thoughts enough. But um, it's no spoiler to say that a great deal of the exhibitors, they for me, I thought they were going to be more of the solution providers, the tech, the people who are creating the collaboration solutions, but they don't need to sell anymore. You know, we know they fixed it. We can collaborate. The people paying to be there and exhibit were the employees of record and the compliance solutions. They're the mm-hmm. ones who are there competing with each other to fix this because this is so fragmented and so uneven at the moment. It's like, I'm in this country and I want to hire this expert here. He lives there. He's got that passport. He might want to travel in this area. And these are the really complicated, knotty problems. And definitely contracting is one answer. We're starting to see more of the the kind of EOR solutions with different entities in different countries. Obviously, the Estonian e-residency solution is one that's popular. So people can be independently nomadic, but their business can live in one place. And be yes. assessed independently. Yeah. What do you think the outcome is going to be? Will we all be solopreneurs with our separate business entities, or do you think that the the big umbrella companies will find something that works for us all?
1: Yeah, problem. So, just so everybody knows, I've hosted about forty five sessions with tax and immigration experts like you. We are doing it right now for the community. I invite one country, you know, every two weeks or three weeks, and we discuss. What are the options? So I'm also consult on a, like, as a courtesy, because there are not a lot of people who knows the global Mm -hmm. tech structures. So as an entrepreneur to help the community, I also consult people there. So yes, it is. The umbrella companies offer good value to, again, big, massive organization, structure organization who have workforces in 50 countries. And they need, of course, a, a service to manage, to pay payroll, you know, uh, IP, intellectual, all these things. Uh, but for smaller companies or startups or products with smaller teams, mm-hmm. I think solopreneur, Wyoming, LLC, Estonia, you mentioned UK, LLP, or Canada, there are a few structures or uh, we say corporate vehicles for solopreneurs who are remote or traveling. That offers more value and mm-hmm. compliance, which we love, and remote opening of bank accounts. So I think that yeah, this is going to be going, there is a trend, one million, one person, one million dollar companies. I'm sure you've heard about it. This is a new trend in digital nomadic companies that you are on purpose, not hiring people. or Instead, you are, you know, trying to just keep it lean, mm. using the tool, hiring contractors and then trying to hit the one million, you know, like a revenue mark within a few years. So, yeah, Solopreneur, I see personally is more, and umbrella companies again, they offer value to different type of audience.
0: yeah, that's so interesting because we're also seeing this in the in the tech sector, particularly in the light of massive layoffs and retraction or whatever you want to call it from the boom over hiring of the last couple of years. And I've talked to a number of sort of medium-sized organizations who've got hiring freezes and they're not replacing often quite senior roles. They're delegating things further down the line to more junior people. And I don't know, there still seems to be even very lean and flat, agile organizations, there seems to be a bit of a divide between freelancers and full-time employed people. And it's like why don't you make that a fractional strategic role then? And you know, rather than say, Well, we're not gonna have a senior person doing this particular role. Yeah. Um yes. so I think maybe we just need even greater flexibility.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the senior roles are becoming more of like freelancers. It's called fractional CTO, fractional yeah. CEO. These these are the senior executives who were laid off and now they're offering is good because uh, smaller companies can have access to that kind of expertise and experience, and they don't need to pay them, you know, like massive amount. They can hire them for two hours. So this is the trend. And also, again, artificial intelligence is yeah. going to change the whole fabric of even remote work because it's going to attack on knowledge workers, especially lower and medium, medium skill remote workers. So that is going to further affect the job market and, So I see more kind of freelance. And you already mentioned, I'm working with Meta right now and they have free, they've frozen, I don't know, since last year. So yeah, Mm -hmm. so more power to individuals and there will be different goals and it's going to be exciting. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. Just what can be done with these large language learning modules is going to have to push the decision-making and the strategic aspects of human creativity more to yes. the front when, you know, the content mills are dead. Um, fact check is going to be busy, I think, for a while, but <laughs> certainly it's the thinking and the innovating that we're going to have more yes. space for humans to do, I hope.
1: Yes. I am, yeah, I've already, so you, as you can see in my description, it's a dev AI social media manager. I think what I see as a, as a entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur, building tech products, and I already jump onto the AI product, is that I think the boring task or most like tedious task, we should use AI for that because nobody mm-hmm. likes to do it. Not I like to do it, not even my VA like to, I mean, they are younger, of course they have to do it to make money, but they don't enjoy it, that kind of boring task. So I think we need to use AI for that and certain analysis which could be missed by humans or a human can produce error. I think for those tasks and processes, I think we all should like support AI. And of course, The other type of things, which we digital nomads, a community, we are, we hate wars because that destroys the beautiful landmarks around the world and we cannot see it. You know, we we are biased maybe because we want to enjoy that whatever country. So, my worry is that AI is being used in military or in Mm -hmm. conflict places. So, that's no, no. For boring tasks, yes, yes.
0: Yes, indeed. If only we could control what everybody was going to use it for, and some kind of unilateral freeze. I'm going to change anything. You're um, not going to stop people developing yeah. this stuff now, for better or for worse. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Just going back to what you were saying about emerging opportunities for more people in the global south to access this digital nomad lifestyle and work globally. Do you think? Um, do you see the AIs as a threat for that in particular? Because it's kind of the entry level opportunities that might be eroded, the product descriptions mm-hmm. or the social media or, or whatever. Well, how, how can we solve that one, do you think? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: there. I have a, a person, I have a team, and I have my personal help, I would say, and my teammate, and she helped me from Mexico. Shout out to Paula. And um, she's also using AI. So I think the value. So for the people for your audience who are starting a digital nomad, I am actually we are creating a lot of discussion around it because you know we, we are our people digital nomads are our people, our community. We want to make sure that they protect their income and continue digital nomadic lifestyle sustainably. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone can do one year gap year or one year like working lightly, blah, blah, blah. But we want to create sustainable, high-income digital nomads traveling and contributing around the world. So for that, start working on your soft, softer skills and start building the network, especially local Mm -hmm. network, not online. So if you're in the UK, don't look for clients in San Francisco. No. Look for clients in Manchester. Look for clients in London. So you need to start building your network. Start working on softer skills. And the third, the more important, is start learning how to use AI, you can call it a prompt engineering, so you can make the most of it. Yeah,
0: we're all going to have to be good prompt engineers going forwards, but I totally agree. We're going to have to be good at giving good customer service, as you said, those softer skills, just that simply being great to work with is going to be somewhere the machines can't compete because they won't have that sense of alignment with whatever our clients are trying to accomplish that we're trying to help them with, so it will help us. Get the questions and the prompts right <laughs> to pull out the right answers for them. Yeah. So, makes total sense. Yeah,
1: I think this. Um, so this laziness or this like, uh, oh, I'm not gonna be. You guys have to be on toes because freelancers are entrepreneurs. You like it or not, even if you're working full time, you're still an entrepreneur. You're still a contractor. It can be canceled anytime. So you guys have to be on your toes. You are competing with AI don't try to compete in analyzing or st- memory or quickly reviewing the tag. you can beat it as already maya said how to be nice how to serve people i think it's so this is exciting because mm. everybody has to serve yeah. otherwise they no I,
0: well i know that when i collaborate or outsource things that's, those are the things i look for there's, there's usually more than one person who can do the thing to an acceptable professional standard, but to find the person who's reliable, who's communicative, who's impeccable with their work, they do the thing by the time they said they'd do it with no excuses or disappearing. Those are the things that make the difference. And I guess that's not gonna change and probably hasn't changed since you started in your entrepreneurial journey, right? These are universal.
1: It's a, it's a universal. And then before there was no competition. So masses could do mm-hmm. that. And now, um, now it's a different game. So if you if you want to be a digital nomad, and if you want to have a income, you have to be on your top AA game. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so this time management or showing up
0: these are not even uh, you have yeah. to. It will be a prerequisite. There's no well, other way. Absolutely, it's table stakes today. Uh, even if it wasn't always, and we can't blame the technology anymore on that you know I was traveling or I was offline. Yeah, I, People know that it just works now and it's up to you to make it work. But apart from the tech trends, I'd love to know some of the biggest things. Obviously, we've mentioned ChatGPT, but what are the biggest sort of cultural things you've seen change since you started your nomadic journey? And what do you wish you'd known back then or that you knew was coming?
1: Yeah, I think before COVID, it was extremely hard, extremely, extremely, extremely hard. So first, you have a challenge to generate an income online let's say sustainable second there was a societal pushback mm-hmm. somehow you know like you were judged either you were hated if you're a successful nomad or if you're trying to become one you will be judged or put down by your network or people who are living a traditional lifestyle because to be honest digital nomadism is an innovation to lifestyle let's say you know, and Tesla is making rockets to to go to moon. Digital nomad came up with like, hey, like forty-hour work week from the office. That is created in 1890 by Ford. Let's let's change something, and so they came up with it. So before COVID, these were the two massive challenges, and only strong-willed and very like alpha type or a boss babe or alpha whatever these other terms normally. But my my point, my point is very strong personalities were able to manage this lifestyle. Now, what has changed culturally post-COVID? First, the world learns, oh, there is an alternative way to live, you know? <laughs> wow, I don't need to rely on 14 days, uh, like 10 days off in a year. That's in North American, I'm telling you, North American standard in Europe no so better. So, so now possibility, less judgment and um, and uh, you know, like still masses. You don't need to be have an online business on your own to be a digital nomad now, and you don't need to be a software engineer to be a digital nomad. <laughs> yeah. so these are the changes. Let me share some stats. Five thousand recent members who were accepted in the community. Sixty percent of them were women. Right. So that's uh, that's a that's a great sign, and that also we also they have to tell us what they do, and. I saw accounting, I saw marketers, I saw, you know, architectures, all kind of occupations. So I think these are the major shifts Mm -hmm. in the culture around the world, the acceptance of this lifestyle and also now inspiring to become a digital. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. These are really exciting trends to observe. And as as well as your work with the community and on your visa database, what what other things are you working on right now? What what have you got your eye on for the future?
1: Yes. So I'm actually I'm working on something called AI-driven entrepreneurship. This is my my domain because whether we like it or not, we will all be using, especially entrepreneurs, they are creators and they would love to use these tools to address the global challenges. And, you know, there are so many mm-hmm. challenges. We think that we sort it sorted out. No, we are very primitive and there's so many problems to be solved. So AI on, AI-driven ai entrepreneurship will like aid nomad, aid entrepreneurs or digital nomads in offering certain work done faster, so um, so Devi is one of the tool in that toolkit which I'm building. So that's the social media manager, boring task. Now I'm attacking next uh, the uh, bookkeeping through AI. Mm. That's what I will be working on. So few few projects I'm working on. They are all in a domain of AI driven entrepreneurship. So that would be my
0: work. Brilliant. In the next up, to next I think year. we're going to have to do another episode about that because there's lots. Lots of things I want to double click on there, but uh, I think yeah, clearly you've got your eye on the future, and we know where that's going. And where can people follow your work? Where's the best place to keep in touch with you and all the things that you're up to?
1: Yeah, so community is is the better option, but I also post on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and and in community quite active. If you want to follow there. I would say LinkedIn and the community. So just to just to let you know that I don't necessarily manage the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are the whole team, they have the whole principle. So if they join, um, I don't know if you would so you please fill out the, the form and tell that within one year so you can get accepted you can follow that. If you don't there LinkedIn, Danish Sumro, you can see my name. You can also search Debbie. You will found it, you will find me on LinkedIn. And then you can follow Fantastic. me there. Travel, I mean, on Instagram, but to be honest, I'm not a typical um, travel influence. Like, I don't put, I'm not beautiful, number one, and I'm not putting those, you know, incredible we're pictures. We're all
0: beautiful, so. Danish, but yeah, we don't need any more pictures of laptops on palm trees and beaches and yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're beyond that now. In so, a, you know, we're a post-Palm Tree world yeah. of real entrepreneurialism <laughs> online. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. I think yeah. So you can follow me and I will be really excited. I will be I will be on the Nomad cruise in the future. I'll be in Banksco. So if you're visiting, Mm. let's hang out. I love dancing and I'm yogi as well. So yeah, you can have awesome.
0: Well that's gonna be great. Well, thank you so much. This is a really exciting conversation. It's made me excited about the future and some of the things coming down the track. I know as we acknowledged, a lot of people f- might feel threatened, might feel disconcerted by some of the technological changes we're dealing with, but I think you've left people in a good place in order to feel positive yes. and excited about the change. So Danish.
1: Yes. my, I I want to show my gratitude, take a few seconds and I show my gratitude. Uh, thank you very much for inviting and thank you for having this great energy and great, you know, project you're leading. So, so really, really appreciate it. Everybody who's watching it. Thank you very much for listening. I have nothing too much important to say, but I could just share some of the, uh, the things. So my last message will be stay hopeful and let's have a lot of fun. Fantastic. Thanks Danish. Good. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Futurist Freelance podcast. We appreciate your time and attention in a busy world and your busy life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow freelancer. Help us grow this movement of independent entrepreneurs. If you rate and review the Futurist Freelance in whatever app you're listening to this right now or over at futuristfreelance.xyz then that will help spread the word and help us reach more people who need to hear this message and join the conversation. Together, we can change the world and make sure the future is freelance. This is Maya Middlemiss wishing you success and happiness in your enterprise until our next episode.